This past uh, week, in fact, right after preaching last Sunday, um, our family, the Davis family, packed into the Honda Pilot and made the 13-hour and a little change trip to Dillon, Colorado. We skied at Keystone a couple of days. Uh, we drove back, so it's been a long week on the road. Got to know I-35 and I-70 very well. One of the interesting sights there as we get to Dillon is there's Lake Dillon, which is totally frozen, and it was kind of neat. I noticed a guy ice fishing on the edge of the lake, and I've never done that. Has anybody done ice fishing before? All right, we got some. Probably not in Texas, right? Minnesota or, okay, Minnesota. All right. So you don't do much ice. In fact, it would be a very dangerous activity, I think, in Texas to do ice fishing. But there's a story of, it reminded me of the story of this guy who was ice fishing one time for the very first time. He went out ice fishing and he was cutting his little hole where he was going to drop his line down into the water and try to catch a fish when this big voice out of nowhere said, there is no, there are no fish under the ice. And he was like, what? where's that coming from? This is weird, you know? And so what he did was he, he moved over to another side or another part there, and, and he started cutting another hole there. And that voice came out again and said, there are no fish under the ice. And finally, he turned up toward the heavens and he said, is that you, Lord? And the voice said, no, I'm the hockey rink manager. So he was, yeah. There are no fish under the hockey ice. Um, that's good to know. But it raises an interesting question, I think, for us, which is, how do we know when God is talking to us? I mean, how do you discern that? Among all of the noise and all of the other voices, how do I know when my Lord is talking to me? And that's a good question. Bordo shared uh, two weeks ago as he uh, inaugurated our series, that story about the girl, right, with trying to decide what college she was going to go to. Very important to her to discern where God wanted her to go to college. So she was praying about that and seeking his answer when she got cut off in traffic by a car with an Abilene Christian University bumper sticker, remember? And it's like, aha, God told me to go to ACU. All right, I have no problem with ACU. I think that's a great school. I got a lot of ACU graduates here. But perhaps that's not the best way to discern how God is talking. I mean, if, if God is speaking to you in traffic, probably he's speaking more in Dallas on 635 than pretty much anywhere else because um, we got a lot of traffic around here. But, but, it, but, but there are these people, right, that they seem to hear the voice of God all over the place. It's like God is constantly talking. I mean, their latte from Starbucks, the foam is forming a message from God. It looks, it looks like a bird. I think God wants me to have a pet bird. Or maybe go feed the birds at the park. Or maybe, or maybe go duck hunting. I don't know. But, I mean, God is always talking to these people, and there's not a lot of discernment. There's not a lot of filtering going on. Or the other extreme... You know, God is, is shouting at people. It seems to be delivering very clear messages, but they don't even seem to hear. They don't notice that God is speaking to them. Like the, the preacher that was, was wading around on the, on the shore of the ocean one time, and then a current got him and, and took him out, and he started going, and he was not a good swimmer at all, and just took him further and further out to sea and he was really in danger of drowning and started praying God save me God save me 
Well, this boat came by, right? And the skipper said, hey, man, do you need some help? And he said, no, God is going to deliver me. And then a few minutes later, as he's just about to drown, another boat comes along, and, and the captain says, you look like you need assistance. Can, can I give you a lift? And the guy said, no, God is going to save me. Well, he drowned. And when he got to heaven, you know, he asked God. He said, God, I was, I was praying to you. Why didn't you answer me? And God said, well, I sent two boats. You know, I think he put dummy on the end of that. I sent, I sent two boats, dummy. Um, so sometimes, in some cases, God is speaking so clearly, but yet people are not able to listen or understand or believe that God is actually speaking. You kind of have those two extremes at work. You know, everything is God talking to me. Or God never talks to me, right? So which is, which, which, which is right? Well, maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a way somewhere in the middle that God has, has shown us how we can filter through the noise and actually listen to his voice. The first scripture this morning is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. The apostle Paul said this. He said, test, I like that word, Test, test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. So obviously, not everything is from God. He says, test it. Okay? Not every message I'm receiving is something from the Lord. Test it. Hold on to what's good. Um, so taking what you hear or you experience at face value, that's not what the Bible teaches, right? Um, God's word says to test everything everything, and then to hold on to what passes the test. So this morning, what we're going to do for just a few minutes is we're going to consider um, exactly how do we do that? How can God help us hear his voice, or how can we determine when God is speaking to us? And we're going to work with several tests that this guy, the Apostle Paul, actually provides for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, you may never have an experience like Balaam had. You guys remember Balaam? Who can forget, right? Balaam is this guy in the Old Testament who God spoke to him through, you remember? His donkey, all right? You're probably not going to have that experience. You're very unlikely to have the experience that Moses had where God spoke to him through a burning bush that never burned up. You're very unlikely to have those experiences, but God does speak. God has some things that he wants to tell you uh, as you go through life. And I think with disciples, we call Christians disciples, or better yet, the New Testament calls Christians disciples. I believe that mature disciples are discerning disciples. Mature disciples are discerning disciples. Paul tells his friends there in Corinth, in chapter 10, verses 15 and 16, he says, first he compliments them. He says, you are reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I am saying is true. He says, I invite you to filter what I'm saying and see if this is from the Lord or not. So, obviously, we know this. Not every message is a true message. It is something you should base your life decisions on. Paul says, you guys in Corinth, you need to be able to test it. You need to be able to filter it. And so do we. So for starters, this is probably not a big surprise to you. The first test that Paul is going to give us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is the revelation test. All right? Here it is. 
does the message that I'm hearing, does, does, does what I think I'm hearing, does it fit with what I see in Scripture, in the Bible? Or is it contradicted by uh, the Scripture, by what we see revealed in the Word of God? And so Paul tells them there in verse 11, all this was written in the Scriptures to teach us, to inform us who live in these last days. Those living in the last days include us, all right? After the resurrection of Jesus, we're living in the last days, and Paul says, God will talk to you through the Scriptures. God will teach you, will inform you through what you have revealed to you in the Bible. Now, Preston Crest, we're a church whose leadership is very much committed to the authority of the Word of God. Look, if, if there is a teaching that is, that is not in line with the Word of God, or there is some direction that we start going that is not in line with the Word of God, our leadership is going to say, no, we're not going to do that, okay? On the other hand, if there is something that we see God leading us to do through the Word of God, we're going to embrace that. We are going to follow that. So Scripture, the Bible, it is, I think you could say, it is the clearest way God speaks to us. It is how He most often chooses to speak to us. I mean, Paul affirms that there. Um, and I don't think you can overstress the importance of, of that practice of reading the Word and meditating on the Word and learning to hear the voice of God through the Scriptures. And it is amazing, right, that we live in a day and time when, I mean, you don't just have to show up at church and have some guy open a scroll and read. You actually have access to the Word of God. I mean, on my phone, I've got like 40 different translations of the Bible, and I carry that around in my pocket. So it's incredible the access that we have to the revelation of God in the Scripture. Now, here's the thing. Not only will God speak kind of directly to you, or as Paul said, teach you uh, through the Word of God, but the Bible, I believe, serves as a sort of um, like a voice recognition software, right? Um, like if you really know the Scriptures and are, are, are kind of dedicated to, to being in the Word of God, not only do you hear directly from God, but it helps you think about the circumstances and situations that go on around you and listen to God speak to you in those individual moments because the Word of God is just ingrained in you. So you can depend on the Scriptures. Paul says this in 2 Timothy. He writes to his young protege this letter, and he says, All Scripture, hey Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay? So the Bible, God speaks through that. Now you know, I mean, if you're, if you, you might be a little ahead of me here, but, but Gordon, don't sometimes people, two different people can read something in the Bible in two very different ways, and you're right, they can. Um, true story uh, that a friend of mine, he's a youth minister down in Houston, told me this a couple of weeks ago, and it blew my mind, really. So he had hired, a few years back, he had hired a summer youth intern, all right? And they were getting close to, well, this wouldn't be summer, so it was a year-long internship. They were getting close to Easter, and he said, hey, why don't you talk to the children of the church about Easter? And the guy was excited. Yeah, I get a chance to preach. So he stood in front of the children of the church, and he said, okay, what is Easter all about? And the kids were raising their hands. 
One of the kids said, Easter is all about chocolate. And the intern said, no. Uh, one of them said, Easter is about toys. The youth minister said, no. Uh, one of them, them said, Easter is about the Easter bunny. The youth intern said, no. Finally, one little girl said, Easter is about the resurrection. The youth intern said, no. The adults in that room, the eyebrows started kind of raising up and kind of puzzled. And at this point, I asked my buddy, I said, so did you stop him? He said, no, I didn't stop him. He said, hey, I was in shock. Easter is not about the resurrection. I was just kind of shocked by that. Second, I really kind of wanted to see where he was going to go with this whole thing. Easter is not about the resurrection. So he said, and you, it even gets better, okay? He said, the youth intern said, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 11. And he shared that verse where Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And the youth in turn began to talk about how Jesus is like a yoke, an egg yoke. Okay, the, the yoke is separate from the white, and, and Jesus is separate from the world. He's holy. And I was like, you're making this up. And he said, no, I'm not making this up. I've got another friend of mine can validate. He was in the room listening to this talk. And I have to say, that may have been the worst exegesis or eggs-jesus ever. Preacher joke, sorry. But it was, I mean, that is really kind of a crazy interpretation. In fact, he said the preacher was there and his little six-year-old on the way home asked, asked her dad, she said, Dad, isn't the yoke that harness that an ox wears? And he's like, yeah. That's what it is. That's what it is. So anyway, yeah, we need to be discerning and thoughtful as we encounter the Word of God um, and not just take maybe the first uh, idea that pops into our head. Now, it would have probably helped this youth intern to consider the second filter, the second test that Paul gives us there in chapter 10, which is, does the message glorify the Lord? Does the message glorify the Lord? This is the reverence test. So we've looked at the revelation test, the reverence test. Does what I'm hearing lift up Jesus or diminish Jesus? 1 Corinthians 10 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, so the smallest details of life, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for what? For the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. Um, What's Easter about? The resurrection? No. Okay, that doesn't glorify God. Um, it is about Easter. It is about the resurrection. Uh, that glorifies God. A sermon on how Jesus is like an egg yolk? I don't think so, right? Um, all right. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. Let's put this up. Isaiah 43, verse 7. And would you read this with me? Bring all who claim me as their God. For I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. You see, you, you have a purpose, right? And yes, we've talked about loving others. That's part of your pur purpose. But, but the first priority, why God created you, why he drew you up, was to bring glory to him. So a pretty good test, right? When I'm, when I'm hearing a message or I'm trying to determine, is this, is this really from God? Is it something that glorifies God? Because if it's not, then it's not a message from God. Now the next test, if you will, I'm calling the recommendation test. Um, if you believe God is showing you something or telling you something, it is a really good idea 
to invite some wise people to speak into that. Okay, you say, hey, I'm hearing this. I mean, I think God maybe wants me to move to Cambodia or whatever. And you, you, you run that by them, and you get their feedback. You get their counsel. You get their advice. Uh, so mature advisors are one of the kind of filters when I think God is speaking to me. As Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans go wrong for lack of advice Many advisors bring success. So advice, counsel brings success. Uh, here's the test here. Is the message confirmed by wise counsel? Again, the recommendation test. Uh, Paul tells them this in verses 1 and 2 there. He says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ, I am so glad that you are following the teachings that I passed on to you. Paul says, look, I am centered on Christ. You know me. You know I am all about Jesus. Use me as a filter, right? Use me. Bounce things off of my counsel, off, off of what I've been telling you. So for you, who's that person? Or who are those people? that you call, that you text, that you rely on. Hey, I think God is wanting me to do this. I think the Spirit is telling me this. What do you think about that? Who are those? Is it your dad? Is it your mom? Is it, is it a good friend from college? Is it your spouse? Is it a wise, uh, mature uh, sister or brother here at Preston Crest? You know, who is that person you call? Is the Lord calling me to move to Cambodia? Is the Lord wanting me to take this job? Um, is this the way I need to be disciplining my children? Um, which is better, Taco Bell or Taco Bueno? All of the big questions, right? By the way, that is Taco Bueno. The answer to that is Taco Bueno. Um, so what, what do you recommend? That's what you want to know. Can you, can you speak into this? Am I hearing the Lord or am I just like making this up? And so Paul gives us also something very important to consider when we think about who that person should be. Who is a good candidate or who are good candidates to advise me? And Paul says it is kind of the imitation test. Okay, Is this woman, is this man somebody whose life I want to imitate? Um, do, I, do I look up to the way they, uh, they act in their marriage? Do I want my marriage to be like their marriage? Do I want my, do I want my career to look like their career, their dedication, their, their work uh, family balance? Is that something that I want to imitate? Um, is, is that someone whose life to me like exemplifies the love of Jesus Christ? Like I want to be like them. Um, Paul says that's a good way to think about who would serve as a good advisor to you. Remember he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, another test, and this one sounds kind of negative, but I think it's a good one. I think it's a very handy one. And you could probably call this the addiction test. Um, here's the deal. Jesus leads us to freedom. Amen? Jesus purchased us with his blood. He leads us to freedom, not addiction, not captivity. The voice of Jesus is not going to lead me toward dependency. Dependency on a substance. Uh, an unhealthy dependency on another person, a dependency on a thing, because Jesus is enough, okay? I need to depend on Him. 
I can enjoy other things. I can have great relationships and, and, and build those, and I can enjoy good food and, and stuff like and video games or whatever it is, but when I become dependent on those things, I go to a place that the Lord does not want me to go. And so Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke. There's that word, right? <laughs> by the, that's not an egg yoke, by the way. Uh, by the yoke of slavery. Paul says, Jesus set you free. Don't get locked up in something that's going to create addiction, that's going to take away that freedom. So the test is this. Does the message lead me toward freedom or captivity? Does what I'm hearing or what I think I'm hearing lead me toward freedom or captivity? This is the rut test. Am I going to end up in a rut? Am I going to end up stuck because of this? And he says in verse 23 there, this is a great one, by the way. This is one to put in your pocket and carry around. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things, I am free to do anything, but there's a lot of stuff I'm not going to do because it's not good. It's not helpful. So something can be permissible. Something can be, if you will, biblical. Uh, something can be um, lawful, and it can be a really bad idea. Just because it's permitted doesn't mean it's something you should do. This is the rut test. Um, Christ has called you to liberty. Christ has set you free. Um, he said that all things are lawful. Uh, he set you free, but his voice is not going to call you into addiction. It just isn't. He loves you too much to see you in bondage to something or some relationship. Now, if you perceive that God is calling you into something that leads you toward captivity, then you need to think again about whether that's Christ's voice, right? Um, Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago, how self-control, remember this in Galatians? Self-control is a gift of who? It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Self-control is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so if a substance, if a person or anything else is diminishing my self-control, then it's not something the Spirit is calling me into. Make sense? Um, now for the final test in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this one is, is just core. Um, it's just so important. Here it goes. Does the message, does what I think I'm hearing from God, does that help me to love and to bless others? This is the respect test. Does what I think God is calling me to do, does it help me to love and bless others? Jesus summed up the entire Bible, all of the law and the prophets with this word, love. He said, love God with 100% of who you are and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, you can sum up the entire Bible in those two notions. So, look, we are redeemed by his great love. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins because of his great love for us. And that love now fills us to the brim, to the overflow, and it shapes how we treat 
other people, how we listen to other people, how we care for other people. And we are not just talking about the people who are like us. Amen? We're not just talking about the people who vote the way we vote. All right? or the people who live in the neighborhood we live in, or the people who think the way we think, or the people of our same socioeconomic level. No, God's love calls us to love all people because Jesus died for all people. Amen? So here's the test. Um, If I hear God calling me, all right, I'll put air quotes. If I hear God calling me to say something, to tweet something, to text something, or to do something that diminishes somebody else or that injures somebody else, then it's not really the Lord who's talking. That's not really the voice of God. Um, He calls me to bless, not to curse. Now, I'll just kind of state the obvious here. Um, This particular filter is one that is not very much in use these days on social media, on the news, in in society in general. I mean, we live in a world that seems to be colliding into more and more bitterness and hatred and insult and bigotry. Uh, It is a a world that's very much consumed with self. I got to protect my interests i got to look out for number one. i got to take care of myself. That's the culture we live in. That's what, those are the messages we hear uh, all the time. But the voice of God throughout history is saying something very different. It is saying, look, if you want to be my child, every decision you make um, for good or ill, every decision will affect the people around you, please, God says, think about those people and think about building them up, not just building yourself up. Um, So you love yourself. Remember Jesus, he says, awesome. Glad you love yourself. Now, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Let's try that out. Now, obviously, you know, I mean, you don't even have to be a Christian to know, this is the core of the Bible, right? We could cite dozens of passages in the New Testament. We could even go and cite dozens of passages from the Old Testament about loving your neighbor, about the call from the voice of God to be a blessing and not a curse to the people around us. Um, So, again, freedom, we are free, but we choose to limit our freedom for the benefit of other people. Um, And I think, I don't know if there is a greater sign of Christian maturity than this. Than a person who knows that they have freedom, but they limit that to help somebody else. That is such a mark of maturity in Christ. So this morning, we're wrapping up here. Let's just close out by bowing our heads, by closing our eyes. I want to pray over us. We've heard from God. Let's talk to God now. Lord Jesus, um, you once said that your sheep, that your sheep, that they know the sound of your voice. And we are yours. We belong to you. You've purchased us with your blood. We are the sheep of your flock. We declare you, Jesus, to be our good shepherd. 
the one we trust, the one we follow. We're depending, depending on you. Please shape us, lead us, steer us with your voice, Lord. Good Shepherd, we ask you to guide us to being wiser and more discerning people so that we can filter out the noise and the clutter that would take us away from you. Give us ears to hear your voice. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. This morning it may be that the voice is calling you to follow him, to become his disciple, to grow more and more familiar with his voice and to grow in this calling to glorify him by loving your neighbor and by blessing those around you. You can make that decision this morning. You can be baptized into Christ this morning. We would love to help you with that. Uh, Maybe you're being called this morning to pray with somebody. Uh, to ask for prayers or just to pray over them. What we're going to do is create a space for a couple of minutes here while we sing. When you can move around and pray with somebody if that is what you feel called to do, let's do that as we stand together.